Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here today. It is a great day to praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. It is a great day to praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Let's stand together and praise him.
California 50 years, I can't remember that California amening is clapping. So one, one of these days I'll get it. So counting every blessing, have you ever tried to just count the blessings of God? 
I mean, you could go on from now on as much time as God gives us and you wouldn't be able to cover all the things that he does for us. I have right now, I'm thinking of a pastor friend in Pennsylvania who's uh, had several strokes this last week, got blood clot that's uh, threatening to break off and go to his brain, causing more strokes and uh, is undergoing cancer chemotherapy right now. And I think to myself, uh, my little aches and pains don't compare with the problems that he's going through. I've got also on my prayer list an 11-year-old boy, Karen's nephew, Karen that lives across the alley, uh, who's getting a bone marrow transplant. Uh, and he's thankful for that donor, and that hopefully will make a difference in his life. Also told about a 13-year-old young boy that is not probably not going to make it. And I think to myself, my kids are healthy. They're, they're mean, but they're healthy. And... <laughs> So there's something to be thankful for always. And I I think about all of the things that we pray for and the people that we pray for. And and if you're here and able to be here and and of sound mind or even close, uh, you know what? The goodness of God is amazing. His blessings are without number. The things, something else that was on the internet this week was be thankful for the things that haven't happened to you. You know, we get, sometimes we get kind of concerned about things that have, but be thankful that a lot of things haven't happened that could have happened to you. So would you do, do this? Would you bow your heads with me? We're going to thank God for there's many, many blessings. And if you have some special blessings for which you're thankful today, would you raise your hand up real high, hold it up real high all over the house? Our Father in heaven, we're so grateful that you're a God who blesses us to think that the God of creation, the, the omnipotent God of all that is in the, uh, the universes, of every animal created, of every uh, bird of the air, of every beast of the field, of every fish in the sea, of every, every human being, every, everything that we have, the sun, the moon, the stars, all of them are because of your great power. And yet you love us and you seek us. And when we take a moment or two to talk to you. We have your ear. That's amazing. So, Father, thank you for being such a great God. And I know there's probably some people here that are going through some tough stuff. Maybe some of the same things we just mentioned. Maybe they're battling cancer. Maybe they're battling some other physical problems or or maybe other issues that are debilitating. God, you're, you're their God, too, and I pray that you would take care of them and supply their needs and heal them according to your perfect will. Thank you for letting us meet together today and pray that, Lord, you would be the guest of honor and in all things done, you'd be praised in Jesus' name. And all the people said, and thank you. You may be seated. If you are a first-time guest here at First Baptist Church, these connection cards are right in front of you. And why would you fill out one of these? Well, because I'm going to send you a Starbucks gift card if you fill it out and turn it in. So I didn't do it last week because we had 30-some kids from Arizona in a youth group, and that would have had to uh, cut into the budget a little bit. But we're back on. So if you visited last week for the first time and didn't get one, we had a couple of people that did, uh, and would you would like one. Go ahead and fill this out. We'd like to have your contact information. We have seats that are down here in the front, several of them, if anybody's looking, uh, and leave seats on the aisle. We're so glad to have everyone here who's here. So welcome to First Baptist Church. You who are in the house, welcome to First Baptist 
Baptist Church. If you're watching streaming, uh, we're so glad to have you with us on YouTube or Facebook, either one. We've got a couple of cadets from the uh, academy that are here, just walked in. So let's welcome them today, all right? God bless you guys. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Yes, what I say? Oh, cadets, no, no. You know what? I, was, I should know that. I was a Cub Scout. I should know this kind of stuff. Midshipman, sorry about that. Is it midship woman? No. No, okay, all right, okay. Just, just checking, trying to be politically correct. Thank you, Fitz, for getting me back on schedule here. All right. So, since he opened his mouth, Fitz, would you come up here? He's going to use this red mic, uh, Noel, and he's going to tell us about a mission project you can have a part in. We're going to receive an offering this morning for this project he'll talk about. So if you need time to make out a check or get into your wallet or get into your wife's purse, go ahead and do that right hey, now. Good morning, uh, good morning, church, and good morning, visitors from the Naval Academy and other places around. Uh, I did not go to the Naval Academy, for the record, although I did 24 years of active duty in the Navy. So thank you for uh, picking up the church and, uh, torch and, uh, and, and running with it. Uh, this morning, just briefly... Um, I would like to um, ask once again um, to um, for the generosity of the church. We have a church that we have been, uh, the church, our church, FBC, uh, have been supporting down in Mexico, Rosarito, Frank and Alicia, Bianco. Uh, our church has supported them. Live Love has supported them. But they are certainly getting along. Uh, they're, they're elderly in age, and there are a lot of health problems that they're, they're facing. They are getting by on, on such a small amount of money every month. It's, it's just amazing. And the poverty in which they live, in which they um, minister to their community, is, is quite humbling. So on behalf of Frank and Alicia and Cristo Vive, the church, I'm coming before us to ask us if, if God might move you to just whatever, a dollar, two, whatever you can spare. They have, um, Frank is suffering from um, uh, very bad vision, uh, intestinal issues. Alicia also has diabetes. They're trying to take care of all these young kids. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, he's trying to get, he's trying to get uh, an extra expense right now to be able to help his wife. She's, she's the only one who can drive in Mexico right now. So he's trying to get the paperwork after all these years done. All these are extra expenses upon, upon which they don't normally have to, 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 to bear. So uh, I'm asking us as, as a church to prayerfully consider um, giving uh, to this ministry. So I just want to pray real quickly, and I'll turn it back over to you, Jim, if there's anything else. And l let me say, don't just give a dollar. Uh, give more than that yeah. if you can, because uh, they're a very, very needy mission program. So uh, as soon as he prays, then go ahead and get your checkbooks out and be liberal. Yeah, thank you. I was, let's just pray. Father God, I, I thank you for the generous, generosity of your people. Father, those who are called by your name, I pray, Father, you'd move among us today just to to consider that all the blessings we have and what an opportunity to minister now to a, a very faithful couple that for many, many decades have served in very extreme conditions. Father, I lift them up to you, their, their health. I pray, Father, that you would heal them, you would bless their ministry. Thank you again, Father, for all that you've given us. May we be wise stewards of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you amen. all very much. Fitz, because you're still there, tell them what's happening Tuesday and what we can do to have a part in that. Okay. Um, this might take another two minutes. I'll try to be quick. Yes, sir. For many years, as a as a as a Christian, I was one who shared my faith for decades. Have taught that um, read the Bible with adults and kids. I've watched our society, just like you all have, as a Christian, and been 
you know, disappointed and, and hurt. And, and it, you just, there's a pain. It's not, not what we lived in, not what we grew up with. Or um, secularism is, 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 is marching and, and winning. But that's not for us to be concerned about too much. We just need to be, we, in the sense that we need to be faithful to how God is, what God has called us to do. I say all of this because uh, Pride Month, it's every June now, it came, it came to Coronado, and in a nutshell, what has happened and what I became aware of, and now we're involved is young preschool kids, our public library has has really displayed a whole bunch of books that really are not appropriate for any level of, it's, it's of sexual material, sexual ethics, identity, and they were being read to preschoolers without any, without sufficient um, information for those who showed up. So on Tuesday, uh, there will be a few of us meeting at the city council uh, meeting to speak out on, on, what, on this, but I urge you to pray first of all Yes. I can tell you that also um, I have dialogued. I met immediately with the, the director. Uh, I haven't met yet with the city manager. The director is a, a wonderful man, an Anglican of background. It's a little bit more comp complex, and I can talk to you about it offline. I think they've got a reasonable solution going ahead. But I say this to the church because it's here. It's here in our community. We need to reach out to those who are lost. I am just, I love what Vody Bachman says in, in one of his sermons. I am just a poor beggar who found bread, and I want to show you. I am not, I mean, we reach out to our brothers and sisters out there that are confused, that they're, that they're we were there, they're prisoners of war. Please treat them as such. Let us not stay in the name of Christ in trying to do as, as we minister to those who are lost. I once was lost, but have been found. So with that kindness and gentleness, but yet conviction of our beliefs, we will uh, speak to the council. At this point, I think I'll thank them, because eventually I think, and I don't want to take up much more time, I think the bottom line is they're going to be very, they're going to be much more careful. Uh, they're going to have a much, many ways to give parental consent and, and to do this. But um, that's what's happening. So pray, be involved, but do so with your Savior in mind. And keeping in mind that we were all once lost. So that's, I, I would thank you for your prayers. And Tuesday at, I think, 2 o'clock, is that right? 4 o'clock. Oh, 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock. Uh, yeah, it's the open comment. So we're going to be there. There's going to be some. I know Cindy, there'll be some other be there. Three minutes to just open comments. It won't be a debate. There won't be anything like that. So just wanted you to be aware. Pray and, and reach the lost. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Fitz. And uh, thank you. And. Uh, I know Cindy's going to be involved in that, and uh, if you would like to speak, go fill out the request at 4 p.m. on Tuesday, and be, a, like Fitz said, have a good Christian testimony about it, okay? Just, uh, the Bible doesn't call us to hate people, it calls us to love people, and in one of the ways we love them is let them know what's going on is not necessarily right. And if we're not salt and light in our community, then what in the world are we doing here? So, um, next Sunday, oh, first of all, we have uh, Harrison and Howard. Come up here, buddies. Come here, guys. These are, they're looking at each other, what I do, what I do, what I do. These are not midshipmen. These are two survivors of Hell Week this week, and they're SEALs. And I say SEALs. 
God bless you. Congratulations, man. Proud of you. Thank you so much. I've been praying for them all week, and I thought, you know, if you haven't noticed, they're twins. And uh, I'm not sure which one is which, and I think they have a lot of fun switching name tags. But anyway, uh, I, I thought to myself, what if one of them made it and the other one didn't? How? And how would they ever know, huh? No, okay, all right, all right, good deal. So thanks, guys, for, and we need to... Uh, be praying for them. Let's do that right now. And for the ones who didn't make it, we've got some, some guys here who didn't make it, and my heart goes out to them, but all things work together for good to them to love God. Father, for these two gentlemen who have been through an arduous week and a difficult time in training, Lord, thank you for keeping them safe. Thank you for keeping them well and healthy. And Lord, pray that you would bless them in whatever you lead them in in the future with their careers. Father, I pray for those who Maybe today very, very disappointed, uh, but are still your children and still uh, have, you have a plan for their lives. And Father, we make our plans, but you're the one who directs our steps. So thank you for that. And Father, your will be done in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, a couple of more who are neither SEALs, nor midshipmen, nor cadets. Uh, Bobby Lerma, would you come up here, Bobby? And uh, Bobby was uh, baptized here on June the 25th. And uh, God bless you, my friend. I appreciate you. Stay right here just for a moment. Joe, this is our Cajon player here. Joe, God bless you. Congratulations on being baptized. Thank you guys so much. All right. Next Sunday, John, the sermon in John 5 will be the title uh, of the message. And then family night is coming up, family film night, uh, the 28th from 6 to 8 p.m. There'll be food and film. And I need you to sign up if you're planning on going. So just take these and pass them around. Sign up and pass them around. Uh, it's a family camp. Uh, it's a Christian film uh, kind of a comedy type thing. It'd be appropriate for all kids. So if we would love to have you come be part of that. And while we're passing that, now we're going to go ahead and receive that offering for the Mexican mission. So I have some guys stationed here and, uh, and the two seals right over here on this side. Uh, let's get those offering bags and uh, we'll, we'll get ready to take that offering right now. Okay, come on guys. Yeah, grab one right there and one right there. All right, and you'll be on this side here. Father, we pray your blessings up on this mission in Mexico. God, we pray that you'd provide their needs, not only financially, but also physically. Lord, we know you are the great physician. We know you are the provider of all things. So, Father, bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Your dwelling place, O oh Lord Almighty, for my soul longs and even faints for you. For here my heart is Is one.
to God for his holiness. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Thank you, praise team, for leading us in worship. Boys and girls, the First Baptist Church, come on down here before you go to class for just a minute or two. I want to share some things with you. While they're coming down here, I invite everyone else's attention to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. How many have your Bible? Let me see your Bible. You got your iPhone or iPad or I something else. All right. Good, good. John chapter 5 for the message today. Boys and girls, when I was a little kid about your age, about 100 years ago, I had a club. You're not, you didn't smile there. You're supposed to smile there. That's, that was a joke. I'm not really that old. <laughs> Regardless of what somebody said last week, I'm not really that old. Anyhow, so I had a clubhouse, and it was made of wood and mostly cardboard. And I had a blast in that. And I used to watch this TV show called Little Rascals. Have you seen that? Have you seen that? Anybody else seen Little Rascals? Little Rascals had a club. They had a clubhouse, and they had a sign out in front of the clubhouse. You know what the sign said? It says, a woman haters club. That's not a woman haters club. Even if it is, it's not. It said, no girls allowed. Now, that's not very politically correct, and we'd be in all kinds of trouble if we did that day. So we wouldn't do that today, would we? Yes, we would. Okay. Okay. Well, one day about 2,000 years ago, and that's a long time, that's older than Mr. Chuck Seeler, about 2,000 years ago, some kids about your age wanted to get to see Jesus, and they, they started getting closer and closer and closer, and when they did, the disciples said, no kids allowed, and they told the kids to step away, and Jesus heard that, and Jesus said, let the little kids come to me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And the Bible tells us he was not real happy with the disciples because he wants boys and girls like you to come to him so that you can believe in him and trust him, not just for a little while, but for your entire lives. You know what? When an adult becomes a Christian, they've already spent 20 or 30 or 40 years of their life or more, but you guys have the whole life ahead of you. And I was about your age when I trusted Jesus as my personal Savior. And I want you to know that he loves you and you can come to him any time you want to. And you can pray to him and he'll listen to you because he loves little children. I want you to come to him. So, so kids allowed. Okay, kids allowed in church, kids allowed around the Lord Jesus. So let's pray. And that's one way we can go to him. So let's bow our heads together. Our Father in heaven, we come to you this morning thanking you for every one of the young ladies and every one of the young men up here. And I pray, God, that they would trust you and believe in you with all their heart and soul and mind and strength. God, I pray that you'd bless the teachers who are going to introduce these kids to Jesus and to another story about Jesus today. God, fill the teachers with the Holy Spirit and may your will be done in our lives and in theirs, we pray in Jesus' name. And all the kids said, amen. amen. All right. Class is right over here. If you're not sure which class to go to, go ahead and ask the teacher. They'll let you know. In John chapter five, we're talking about Jerusalem about 31 AD. This is one of five times that we know of that Jesus visited Jerusalem, the capital city there. So for a few weeks now, we've been in one or more of the synoptic gospels. Remember what the synoptic gospels are? Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, they, are, they follow the same chronology pretty much. They, they cover a lot of the same happenstances. And then you've got John over here, the odd man out. And he's kind of, he, he fills in. Uh, his words are every bit as inspired as Matthew's or Mark's 
or Luke's, but he has a different uh, viewpoint, different perspective that God inspired him to write about. So you have the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, or Luke. We've been studying them for the last few weeks, but today we return to the odd man out, John, in John chapter five. And the first thing we see here in verse one is a feast. So in my translation I'm using here, it says, afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. If you have a King James Version, uh, instead of uh, Jewish holy days, it says a feast. Some translations say the feast. So what's the significance of that? Uh, some commentators think that this is the Passover that's being talked about. It would be, a, uh, it would be the feast. Some believe it is the, the Feast of Tabernacles, but we're just not sure. Scholars aren't sure. It's not the emphasis of this passage as to what feast it was, but the, the emphasis we'll, we'll learn about in just a minute is pretty significant. So there was a feast, and after this, Jesus went to him. Now, the second point is the healing in verses 1 through 17, and the occasion here is afterward. Well, after what? Some of you will remember uh, a few weeks ago, we talked in this chronology and the chronological study of the life of Christ. We talked about the healing of the nobleman's son and how the nobleman had traveled quite a distance when he heard that Jesus was able to heal and he asked Jesus to heal his son and, and knew that Jesus didn't have to go to his house to do it, that he, could, he, he would be able to do it long distance. Uh, the son had a high fever in Cana. But after, after that, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Location was inside the city of Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, uh, which was the, the pool of Bethesda with five I never can make this thing work, uh, with, with five different covered porches, the Bible says, and the sheep gate was nor around the northeast uh, part right here. There's the sheep gate, and there actually are several gates here. Here's the fish gate, and here's the east gate. Jesus rode through on the uh, foal of a, of a donkey, uh, and then here's the horse gate, and there's just several gates around there. As a matter of fact, uh, there are 19 different gates mentioned in the Word of God uh, to the old city of Jerusalem. And gates were very important in Bible days. That's what protected the perimeter of the city. And so these gates were the most vulnerable part of the wall because the rest of the wall was stone and mortar and was more substantial, but the gates had to be moved and opened and closed and so on. So they were made of wood and usually were overlaid with metal to protect them so they couldn't be easily set on fire. And we'll have, this is one of the gates right here. I'm not sure which one this is, but that's pretty impressive to me. I don't know about you, but that's amazing. So we're not just talking some little gate like I've got on the side of my house that always drags and doesn't close right. So I you know, have to constantly work on that thing. Uh, but these are big time gates. The gates were to be closed at night uh, so that the city was protected. In the day, the gates, the, the markets were set close to the gate. And so whatever market was set up by whatever gate, that's what the gate was called. So where the sheep were sold, uh, that, was, that became the sheep gate. And anybody who was going to sell sheep or barter in sheep or buy sheep would go to the sheep gate, to the market that was outside the sheep, sheep gate. Uh, so just point out, Jesus is the Lamb of God, right? Jesus is the Lamb of God, and he is the gate or the door to heaven. So just want to throw that in. The meaning of Bethesda, which is where they were at the pool of Bethesda, is house 
of mercy. And this pool was a uh, double pool, I'm told, trapezoid-shaped, about 300 feet by 200 to 250 feet, and surrounded by porches and colonnades. So there would be several different porches and colonnades leading into this trapezoidal-shaped pool. Now, here's the situation. Verse 3, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. I want you to move yourself, transport yourself back 2,000 years ago, and I want you to imagine you were losing your eyesight. I want you to imagine you were losing your, your hearing. <laughs> I told Pat my eyes were good till I was about 50, and then I've had problems. And then my ears were good till I was about 72, uh, and now I have to dial up on my phone so I can hear uh, anything. And so I'm not sure how good the other parts, how long they're good for, but uh, hopefully it'll be till at least I get through with the message here. Uh, but crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed people who could not move on their own, uh, lay all around. There was not this, the level of medical care that we have today. There were physicians, there were bombs and ointments and treatments and uh, probably what we would call a lot of holistic, holistic type treatments in those days, but there were no antibiotics. Those came into being during my lifetime. Uh, I remember when Dr. Salk uh, had that available. Uh, no, there were no vaccines. There are no NSAIDs, no chemotherapies, no, not many surgeries. Very seldom was there any kind of a surgery. And so verse 4 Uh, it gives us a little more information. It says, for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the waters. Whosoever was then first after the troubling of the water stepped in and was made whole of whatever disease he had. Now, let me just, you may have a Bible and it may be a study Bible and it may be a little asterisk there and it may say that this verse that I just read is not found in a lot of the manuscripts. And and it's not. Uh, You say, well, preacher, doesn't that question the entire word of God? no doesn't question the entire word of God at all. Uh, we, we know that, that uh, the copyists would sometimes make notes and sometimes those notes got uh, incorporated, but it has nothing to do with any of the major doctrines. You understand that? It has nothing to do with salvation by grace through faith. It has nothing to do with the eternity of God, the sinlessness of the Son of God, the, the death, burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with any major doctrines. We're just simply being honest and saying that that verse 4 is not found in all of the old manuscripts, found in many of them, but not in all of them. So one of the men, verse 5, lying there had been sick for 38 years. Now there's every reason to believe, because this text says so, that there were a lot of people lying around ill, lying around the pool, and for whatever reason, Jesus focused on one man. We don't know why. We're not told why, but we do know this. He had been sick for 38 years. He was purposely by a place that had a reputation of being able to heal people or people being healed in that proximity. Let me ask you a question. Do you think this man ever prayed for healing? Yeah. Have you ever prayed for healing? Yeah. I read a thing today on the internet. The internet's so marvelous, isn't it? Uh, I said, God made sure women had babies because if men had them, the whole race would have died out by now uh, because we can't handle the pain. But anytime I get any kind of a little tickle in my throat, it's like, oh, Lord, please help me. I'm dying. I'm just... yeah. A sore throat for a preacher is the worst thing in the world. You know, as long as I can still talk and yell, I'm okay. But when it gets there, then it's a problem. So I think he probably prayed for healing. How many times do you think 
if we grant that he prayed for healing, how many times do you think he prayed for healing in 38 years? I think a lot of times. I, I think he prayed for months. I, I think he prayed for years. I think he prayed for decades. And by now, probably most of his friends and family had given up on whatever uh, possibility he had of being healed. And maybe they even quit coming to see him. I don't know. Someone still carried him to the pool and took him back home and carried him back to the pool and took him home. Uh, but did he still have hope, I wonder, after 38 years? Disappointment can become a way of life for some people. It's important what you allow yourself to think about. If you think about the negative things, if you think about the problems, if you think only about the difficulties, instead of, as we sang about, count your many blessings, see what God has done. You've got to balance that. God has done so many good things. And so you need to, you need to not be disappointed. Uh, you need to keep your hope. Uh, and how long will you pray for a certain situation? How long will you pray for a loved one? I've got loved ones I've prayed for for, for decades, literally, decades. So don't give up. Uh, importunity is a Bible principle of continually asking God for certain things over and over and over and over. And the illustration given, the lady who came to her neighbor and said, uh, my kids are with me, or rather I've got company from afar. Would you open the door and give me some bread? And the guy says, no, we're in bed. We're, we're about ready to go to sleep. Just go away, come back tomorrow. And, and the person kept knocking until the guy came down. He gave her bread because she was importuning him. And so we're, we're directed to importune to God to let him know our desires, to let him know what's on our hearts. Then we see the proposition. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time. By the way, uh, he didn't have a sign saying, by the way, I have been ill for 38 years. Jesus saw him, and because Jesus is omnipotent and omniscient, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he then knew that this man had been here for a long time, 38 years, which by itself made the miracle more impressive uh, because after being paralyzed for 38 years, any muscles he would have had would have atrophied by then. Uh, so he asked him, Jesus asked this man, would you like to get well? I, I, I want to be real respectful here. I, I, what kind of question is that? Would, would, you, would you like to get well? Some, some miracles were the result of people asking Jesus for help. Here, Jesus picks out a man out of the crowd of people. And he says, do you want to be well? Well, there are some people who are perfectly fine with being sick. There are people who are hypochondriacs. I'm getting that way. When I get up in the morning, I see what parts of me didn't get up in the morning. There are sympathy seekers who, who like it. There are attention seekers. Um, uh, there are people who do self-harm. Uh, I mean, I'm told there are people, there, there are certain psychiatric disorders where people will actually drink poison or take something poisonous to their system uh, in an attempt not to die, but to just be sick so that they have reason to go to the doctors and so on. Maybe an escape from life's responsibilities. What a question. Do you, do you really want to be well? Do you really want to be made well? I think he asked the question either to give, there are two possibilities, either to give a glimmer of hope or he was being cruel. And since Jesus has never been cruel ever one time, I have to believe it'll show you good hope. Would you ask a starving person, would you like something to eat? 
Or would you give them something? Would you ask a drowning person if they want to be rescued? Or would you just try to rescue them? To ask that question without the ability and the will to meet a need, I think would have been cruel. But Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be well, knowing full well he could do something for this man, wanting to determine, now, sir, do you want this to happen? Jesus was well equipped to meet the man's need. He would not heal him against his will. Now, this is not a sermon on predestination, okay, or on Calvinism, but I got to say this. I just, I feel like God wants me to say it. The, the whole idea of total depravity, I realize we are sinners, we cannot save ourselves. So part of that, I kind of, we have all sinned, come show the glory of God. I understand that, that God's spirit has to appeal to us. This idea of unconditional election, um, I have a problem with uh, because I believe we're predestinated according to his foreknowledge. Whom the Lord knew would respond, he then predestinated us in Christ. To not do that would make his foreknowledge causative. It would be, it would be uh, I'm going to uh, elect you, 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 and you to go to heaven. I'm going to elect, I won't point to anybody, uh, you, 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 and you to go to hell. And you have nothing to say about it. Uh, and, and so uh, to me, it doesn't, I mean, the Bible talks about whosoever will may come. Does it mean whosoever will or does it not? I think it means whosoever will. So this idea of total depravity, while I can understand part of that, the unconditional election, and by the way, that means if somebody is elect, they're going to get saved whether they want to or not. It doesn't matter. They're going, to be, they're going to be saved. And then this limited atonement only died for the elect. And yet the Bible tells us that he died for the whole world, died for the sins of the world, everybody. And then the irresistible grace. Well, in Romans, they resist God. They resist him, and, and, and he gives them over to their own sinfulness because they resist God. And, and then the perseverance of the saints. Look, it's not Jim Bays who keeps Jim Bays saved. I couldn't do that for more than about 30 seconds, and that might be generous. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who gives me, keeps me saved. I'm in his hands, and nobody can pry me from his hands because I've trusted Christ. So, so whosoever will may come. Joshua says, choose you this day. Did they really have a choice to choose if they're going to serve the Lord or not? Uh, it's a bogus offer if they, if they didn't have the choice. Uh, Adam and Eve, now I don't talk about this very much because for 2,000 years there have been debates on Calvinism, Arminianism, and nobody's got it all solved yet, and I'm not... Supposing I can do it. I just want to tell you my viewpoint. By the way, if God does elect everybody, he wants to elect. And, and if he does it, uh, it's a causative action. And if he chooses who goes to heaven and who goes to hell and, and they don't have any say in it, if that's the way he does it, it's okay with me. Because God can do what he wants to do. Amen. But I don't think that's the way it is. So, okay, that's a little side. That was actually a second sermon for the same price uh, as one. So. <laughs> So we see the complication. I can't, sir. Jesus says, would you like to be made well? I can't, sir. And, and, he uses, and the word sir in the Greek here is Kyrie, which means, it, it, it means Lord, but not, not Lord like we think of Lord Jesus Christ, uh, but a term of respect, not necessarily one of faith. 
So it's like Lord, uh, some title over in England, you know, Lord so-and-so. So so it was a respectful thing. So he said, I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. So we see in his, I can't, sir, Lord, we don't really see faith being exercised in Jesus' ability uh, to do anything for this man. Uh, We don't even... In fact, the man didn't even know who he was talking to at this point, more than likely. So then we see the manifestation, verse 8. Totally ignoring the man's lack of faith, Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. The very thing that this man was unable to do was what Jesus told him to do. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. So instantly, verse 9 says, the man was healed. I wonder, did he begin to feel strength in his legs? Began to did it, did it did was that like electricity going up and down his his extremities? I, I don't know. Was there a tingling in his limbs? Was his mind infused with faith at this point, or did he receive it after he stood up, after he rolled up his mat, and after he walked? I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this: the Bible says he rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Thank you. I hope that was the devil leaving. I hope it's not the Holy Spirit leaving. I'm in trouble. He says, stand up. The very reason the man was at the pool, because he couldn't stand up on his own. He was paralyzed. And Jesus challenges us oftentimes with the impossible. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can't do a blooming thing without him. I love what somebody said, do you really need Jesus to go to heaven? They said, man, you need Jesus to go to Walmart. (laughs) Jesus challenges us with the impossible. Sometimes we're paralyzed with fear. You ever been that way? You ever been paralyzed with fear? Maybe giving an oral report to someone or talking in front of a crowd or having to perform in front of a crowd or uh, or, or getting some diagnosis from the doctor, not sure what it's going to be or whatever. We get paralyzed with fear. With fear. Other times, we, I, I think we're trusting ourselves or our own faith rather than trusting him and what he said. How many times has someone come to me and preach? I don't even know if I'm Christian. Why? Because, of, because I, I just don't feel like it. It's not a feeling. It's a fact. Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid the price for your sins. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, we can be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Promise from God Almighty. She said, stand up. And he said, take up. You see, this guy didn't need the mat anymore by the pool of Bethesda. So a takeaway here is you need to toss away things that you don't need anymore. Get rid of them. Toss away. Let go of your drugs. Let go of your alcohol. Let go of your pornography. Let go of your lustfulness. Let go of your sinfulness. Let go of the things that, that you cling to that are not good for you, that are, that are indication that there's an illness and a sickness and some paralysis there. Get rid of those things. Stand up, take up, remove it so you won't be tempted to lie back down. He didn't just say stand up. He said, pick it up, take it up. 
Old habits can be difficult to change. To, to, I know that, but, but God can help you with them. Get his help. And then show how, you're, how different you are now, what a different person you are now. Get baptized. Get baptized. You say, well, I preach, I was sprinkled when I was a baby. You got wet when you were a baby. You got sprinkled on. You, you didn't, my mom used to sprinkle clothes before she ironed them. She didn't baptize them. She just sprinkled them. There's a difference in being sprinkled and being baptized, immersed. Join the church. Get it. If you're not, for, I, we've got several folks visiting, and my, my hat's off to you. You go on vacation, and you find a church, and thank God for people like you that church is important. Better is one day in God's house than a thousand elsewhere or something like that. Uh, so get in. Get, get involved. Have a ministry. Don't just sit. Have a ministry. Serve God. Begin to give. Tell people about Jesus. Work on your testimony. Work on, your, on, your, on what people think about your Christianity. He says, stand up, take up, and walk on. Go forward. He didn't say, look, look behind you. Watch out. Don't think you can't fall back to your own ways again. You can. The future is incredibly bright for the Christ follower, the cross bearer, the self denier. Uh, look ahead, not behind. Keep your eyes this way and keep going. You know, there's a bunch of stuff in my past I don't want you to know about. And, and I would gather that probably most of you had could say amen to that in your own lives. There are things in the past you don't want anybody to know about. But guess what? God knows about them. And if, and if you've asked for forgiveness, he's forgiven you of that. And he's taken your sins and put them in the depths of the deepest sea, removed them from you as far as the east is from the west. And like the preacher said, put up a no fishing sign. Cast them into the depths of the sea. So look ahead, not behind. So then we see this objection. Here's, now we're coming to the root of the matter. Now the root of the matter for the paralyzed guy was he got healed. That's, there's no doubt about that. But here's, this miracle happened on the Sabbath. Uh-oh. We don't know what feast day it was, but we do know it was on a Sabbath day. There were many Sabbaths, by the way. It wasn't just the Saturday or the seventh day. Sometimes there were other Sabbaths as well. The Jews were not happy with Jesus healing this paralyzed man on the Sabbath. Verse 10, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. What? The Old Testament forbade work carrying out one's usual occupation on the Sabbath and included bearing loads on the Sabbath. So here these uh, religious leaders were applying, bearing these loads to this guy who had just been miraculously healed and picked up his mat it wasn't even like a king-size bed or anything. It was a little mat. It wasn't a water bed. It was just a mat. And this is what the Lord says. Be careful not to carry a load on the Sabbath day or bring it through the gates of Jerusalem. Do not bring a load out of your house to do any work on the Sabbath day and keep the Sabbath day holy as I've commanded your forefathers. That's Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 21 and 22. But Jewish scholars through the years and their attempts to ensure the Sabbath law was not broken actually pinned down 39 different ways you could break the Sabbath by some kind of work. 39 ways. It's in the Mishnah, which is their oral tradition. Not in the Mosaic Law, not in the Ten Commandments, not in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, not in there. 
But in their oral law, they said, for example, sowing seed is work. Don't do that on the Sabbath. Plowing is work. Don't do that on the Sabbath. I understand that. Reaping or harvesting, don't do that on a Sabbath. Binding sheaves, don't do that on a Sabbath. Threshing grain, don't do that on a Sabbath. Winnowing, don't do that on a Sabbath. Cleansing crops, I mean, I don't know what that is. Uh, grinding, sifting, kneading, baking, shearing wool, washing, beating or dyeing material, uh, spinning, weaving, making, making two loops. What does that mean? Make two loops, weaving two threads. You can weave one thread, but you can't weave two threads. Separate. You know what? 39 different ways you could break this commandment of the Sabbath just to deal with work. They had hundreds of ways you could break the Sabbath in other ways. So they're taking oral tradition, which has no weight scripturally, and they're putting it alongside of the word of God that has, should have all weight. Let me tell you something. It's not what the Baptists say. It's not what the Catholics say. It's not what the Presbyterians say. It's not what the Methodists say. It's not what the Episcopalians say. It's not what the Church of Christian Science says. Did I miss any? It's not what the Lutheran Church says. It's what the Word of God says. We don't have a, we don't have a Baptist Pope. The Word of God is the final authority. I've always said, if I start preaching something other than what's in this book right here, you trustees, rustle me down and get me out of here. Get somebody in the pulpit who will preach the truth. And I see an application here. Churches will always have critics. If you've been around Christians very long, if you've been around churches very long, you know churches will always have critics. Well, all they want is your money. No, we want your time too. <laughs> we want your life. We want everything. It's actually not us that wants it. It's Jesus that wants it. Your body is a living sacrifice. Well, they don't pay taxes. Oh, and, and because we don't pay taxes, uh, as income taxes as a church, uh, we shouldn't have a voice in matters like what's being taught, what's being read to preschoolers in a public library that's inappropriate for anybody, but especially for preschoolers. We don't have any rights. Churches were not taxed for two reasons. One reason is because you don't tax God. That's a pretty good reason if that's the only one right there. The other one was because of the charity work done by so many churches uh, and historically been done by churches to take the load off of the public uh, demands. So uh, uh, they don't pay. Yeah, we have a special privilege here. By the way, if, if, we, if they do take away our tax exemption, well, I, would, I would not be surprised that happens and it could happen much sooner than you think. We still need to give to God. We still need to trust God. And we still need to serve God. They aren't accepting of all lifestyles. No. Are you? If, if my lifestyle was every time I see you, I want to punch you in the nose. Are you accepting of that? I don't think so. They practice hate speech. No. Reading the word of God is not hate speech. Reading the word of God is truth that people need to hear. And if you really love someone, you'll let them know what the truth is and not let them just believe a lie. So churches are always going to have critics for these reasons and many, many more. Hopefully the criticism comes from outside. That's to be expected. When the criticism comes from inside, that's the real problem. No one's friendly here. 
Well, that's not true here. Thank God for that. Everybody's so friendly. Sometimes visitors come up and they're kind of, what's going on here? I mean, you know, Mark's taking pictures of them uh, this morning and and we're patting them on the back and welcoming them. I, I don't like the music. That's one that we don't hear around here, thankfully. I don't like the message. Yeah, well. <laughs> Tough. There are too many hypocrites here. Yeah, there are hypocrites at, 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 what do you call the stadium where the Padres play? <laughs> at, there are hypocrites there, too, and you go there. You know what I mean? There are hypocrites where you work, and you go there. There are hypocrites at, at well, not Mervyn's anymore. Hypocrites at May Company. You go there. Hypocrites everywhere. In fact, you're one of them. Oh, this is my favorite. They're sitting in my seat. I've told you before, if it's your seat, take the thing home. Don't leave it here. Don't ever let me hear you walk up to a visitor and say, you're sitting in my seat. So this kind of stuff doesn't happen. I'm so thankful it doesn't happen. But when people start supporting the church and loving the church and and serving the church and winning people to the Lord, they find joy and love and satisfaction in God's house. So so we see this this objection by this religious crowd. uh, Don't don't be picking up your mat and carry. Their reciprocation is this. But he replied, "This is I I love what this guy said. The man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Look, this guy just healed me. I've been paralyzed for 38 years. The guy healed me. He said, pick up your mat. I'm going to do what he tells me to do. The man defends himself, shifts the responsibility to the one who healed him. Who said such a thing as that? The Pharisees said. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. Further evidence that this healed man still had no clue who he was dealing with. Then the addition, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. Is that a coincidence? I don't think so. If you've been found, it's because Jesus went looking for you. It's because Jesus found you. So remember on a feast day, there could be thousands of people in the temple, and yet Jesus found the very guy that he healed a little bit before at the pool at Bethesda. And Jesus said to him, now you are well, so stop sinning. Well, that's profound. Stop sinning. It's a negated present imperative. It means stop, continue, stop sinning now and stop continuing to sin in the future. Just stop it. Or something worse may happen to you. Something worse than the paralysis for 38 years. So that Jesus now shifted from the physical needs of this man to the spiritual needs of this man said, this is what you need to do. And then man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. I know who it was now, guys. It was Jesus the Christ, the one who's been going around healing people. He's the one who healed me. He's the one who told me to stand up, take up, and walk. Maybe the man was at the temple to give thanks to God because that's what they were supposed to do when they got healed. They were supposed to give thanks to God and show themselves to the priest. So let's not forget to thank God for miracles in our lives. And you know the greatest miracle in our life, the greatest miracle in our lives, mine anyhow, is the fact that Jesus forgave me of my sins and gave me a new heart and turned me into a new creation, a new creature. That's a, that's a, that's a greater miracle than this guy who was paralyzed for 38 years who stood up and took up his mat and walked. Oh, and one more point here. Forget the critics. Love on them. They need the Lord. They need their hearts to be right. Few can build, anyone can tear down. 
doesn't take a lot of knowledge to tear up something, but it takes knowledge to build. So here's the conclusion, John 5, 16. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus, what? For breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, my father is always working and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him for he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father. Oh, wait a minute. What does it say now? Thereby making himself equal with God. So that's the first two points, and I had a third point, and it's 10 after, so I'm not going to say the third point so you all can sigh a sigh of relief. That's for next week, the sermon in John chapter 5. But here's Jesus' ministry now in full motion. They're criticizing him. Uh, know they'll criticize you. You go, and Fitz is, I think, in Sunday school class, but Cindy, you go to Tuesday. They're going to criticize you. There'll be people who 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 call your names who not appreciate what you're trying to do for the sake of the kids. Don't let anyone stop you from serving Christ and don't give up. 38 years it took for God to answer the prayer of this man. How long till he answers the prayer you're praying? Would you bow your heads? How many would say with every head bowed, every eye closed, how many would say, preacher, there's something I've been, some specific something I've been praying for it, and I've been praying for it a long time, not just a day or two, but a long time, preacher. And I, I kind of sometimes I wonder, is it ever going to happen? If you be honest with that, every head bowed, just raise your hand up real high. Preacher, something I've been praying about for a long time, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to give up. I don't want to quit. I don't want to lose hope. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Father, you know the heart's needs of everyone in this auditorium. I know I've got prayers that I'm praying I've prayed for so many times, so many times, oftentimes during a single day, I'll pray about the same things. So God, we pray that, Lord, you would answer our prayers in accordance to your perfect will. Father, may we not give up. May we keep on keeping on. And Lord, when people are critical of us, may we keep on doing what's right. May we trust you no matter what. Father, do an amazing work in our lives this morning. If there's someone here who needs Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray that they'd be willing to come and, and accept him right now. We can show them in the Word of God how to do that in just a, a, a couple of minutes. If someone else wants to be baptized, we can do that. Next time we have baptism, if somebody wants to join the church, get in, get involved, get plugged in, and serve them. Lord, lead them to do that, we pray. And God, if someone needs to take up whatever it is, and that mat, that thing that's holding them down, that thing that is afflicting them and causing them grief and causing them problems with drugs, alcohol, tobacco, pornography, lustfulness, whatever it is, God, take that away. Heal us, we pray today. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? This is our invitation. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If God so moves you, you want to receive Christ as your Savior, to come down here and let me know that. And we'll get someone to pray with you. We'll get someone to talk to you. If you need to join the church and you want to know about how to join the church, if you want to come and find out about being baptized, whatever it is God's leading you to do, as our praise team leads us, would you step out and either aisle on the, on the sides or right down the middle and come down here and meet me as we sing.
today and be sure to check the bulletin for schedules of Bible studies and so on. Those are in the bulletin every single week and we don't always announce them all because it would become repetitious. In summer there's not as many but uh, Thursday night and, and uh, others that are meeting so be sure to check that out. Let's be dismissed in order of prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? Our Father in heaven we're so grateful and thankful for what you mean to us. Lord we're so thankful that you are a holy God and that you care so much about us that you allowed your son to die on the cross for our sins. Father, may our faith never waver in the face of critics and whatever else. God, may we always be faithful to pray and to trust you for every need. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you. See you the next Lord's Day. Go to Tuesday night with the right attitude. Goodness.